The views and opinions expressed by the following program are those of the host, guest, and callers, and are not necessarily those of this station or the Webster Rockio Ministries, its management, or other host or underwriting sponsors. Programs presented on KWRHLP are for educational and entertainment purposes only. glad that you decided to stay tuned to in tune on our second hour when we talk about some of the history on this show we're trying to fill in some gaps i try to fill in the gaps of my own history or lack thereof and i want to share those with listeners out in listener land that's important and so here are some folks and these happen to deal with inventors and their contributions all right so you may or you may not know how to iron if you don't know how to iron then it's time to go back to school you may have been on the receiving end or the throwing end of an iron. <laughs> but, 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 you know, with the new fabrics nowadays, absolutely. I would see that a lot of younger people would not know how to iron because really, if, as long as you take your clothes out of the dryer in time, hint, hint, then you don't have to really iron your clothes. Well, and some, even if they didn't take it out of the dryer in time, it wouldn't matter for them. That is very true. But when we used to have to hang our clothes on the line, do you remember that? I remember that. You had to iron everything right sheets towels napkins underwear right pajamas everything had to be ironed but it had that fresh smell because it was out in the wind yes (laughs) so the ironing board is a product that's used possibly as much as it's overlooked okay we just talked about that in the 19th century it was improved upon by sarah boone an african-american woman who was born a slave She was one of the first black women in U.S. history to receive a patent. Did you know that, listeners? That's amazing. She expanded upon the original ironing board, which essentially was a horizontal wooden block, patented in 1858. So you imagine this big horizontal wooden block, which was an ironing board. Well, what she did in 1892 with the additions that she made, the board featured a narrower and curved design, kind of like we know it now, making it easier to iron garments, particularly women's clothing. Boone's design would morph into the modern ironing board that we use today. Well, you know, a lot of people, they have a very special ironing board. It's called their bed. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say, it's my mom or my wife. (laughs) But, you know, think of how many times, you know, you just whip out the ironing board, the iron, and you just throw the stuff on on your bed and you iron it real fast. And sometimes people only iron the front. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Just don't walk behind me. That's right, exactly. <laughs> no, I, I think I was thinking about that the other day when I was actually ironing a shirt. And some shirts now, like you said, you can get their not permanent press, but they're non iron shirts. And some shirts, if they're all cotton, man, you gotta you gotta take care of those. Oh yeah, you gotta work with our all cotton. But I was thinking, you know, what an intricate and interesting design where it narrows on the end because you can actually pull the whole sleeve and pull that sucker right up there and get what you need done there and then on the back between the shoulder That's and the right. shoulder blade area you know I said I do I do know some yeah of because when you when you do it on the bed you know I mean you do miss all of those kind of little curves you and get angles that crease and stuff. that's kind of in the bedspread there a little bit. <laughs> that's right exactly <laughs> so many people in the area have uh, home security systems I do and they are there to help protect and some of those things are just sign set up 
outside without a security system. Summer dogs, I'm talking about an electronic security system. Right, exactly. I'm talking about like some kind of camera things. And you see these things like, I'm not going to name any particular kind of brand, but you see doorbells now that have cameras. And you see cameras and you see, you know, oh, I can talk to you from, uh, I'm halfway around the world. but From my uh, phone, I can look and see. Yeah, I can say, uh, what are you doing there? What do you want? Uh, Or I can send an alarm or, you know, that kind of stuff. I like to have the ones with just the big dog bark, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah. As soon as somebody rings the doorbell, it automatically has this big dog. Or the real dog. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That barks. And you can even have some that, you know, you buzzed in, you know, that kind of stuff. Well, back in 1966, believe it or not. Before security systems were a fixture, an African-American nurse, Mary Van Britten Brown, devised an early security unit for her own home. Now, this is very ingenious. She's very, very, uh, she's one of those kind of scientific minds. She spent many nights at home alone in Queens, New York, while her husband was away and felt unsafe. Well, on top of that, because of the high crime rates, the police were not really responsive and reliable. So she created a device that would help put her mind at ease. In 1966, now granted, you got to remember, today's 2019. This is 1966. She invented a system that used a camera that would slide into and look through four peepholes in her front door. The camera's view would then appear on a monitor in her home so she could survey any potentially unwanted guests. Talk about the first closed-circuit TV. I know. Wasn't this before Al Gore invented Internet? 1966. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's right. She added other features. Listen to these features including a microphone to speak to anyone at the door. What's that sound like? Wow. A button to unlock the door. What's that sound like? And a button to contact the police. What's that sound like? Man. That sounds like all of the alarm systems that are out today, right? And this was back in 1966. Sucker probably was big as a table, though. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know? She and her husband took out a patent for the system in the same year, and they were awarded the patent three years later in 1969. Home security systems commonly used today took various elements from her design. Isn't that interesting? All I know is that I hope that the Brown family, I hope they are living large today. That's right. Because when you think about all of these different systems and the intricacies of them, the microphone, the lock, the unlock, the the door button, the button to contact the police, those are the kinds of things that are really just normal on systems today. Right. So I really hope that they are living large. I have no problem if they have like the biggest yacht in the port. That's, that's right. Or own the port. <laughs> that's right. Exactly. <laughs> you know, and, and folks, I'm, I'm telling you these things because these inventors are African-Americans. And we're just not doing this because it's Black History Month. We do this all the time. And Ellie can vouch for that. Right. You can vouch for that by going to Intune in uh, iTunes or going to Intune on SoundCloud. And you can hear our previous shows when we talk about history like this. Here's another one. With only an elementary school education, this black inventor, son of a slave, Garrett Morgan, came up with several significant inventions, including an improved sewing machine and the gas mask. Man, they really needed that in World War I. It was, it was an improved gas mask. You should see those gas masks from back in World War I. I mean, they were like just what a mess. big things that, that actually looked like stuff that, that the movie producers and directors used in the movies to kind of frighten people. Yeah, it looked like an elephant without with the trunk cut Trunk, off. that's right, yeah. exactly. Wow. So, however, one of Garrett Morgan's most influential inventions we see and use and participate with all the time. Without his innovation, drivers across the nation would be directed by a two-light system. So thanks to the successes of his other inventions, 
Garrett Morgan became the first black person in Cleveland, Ohio, to own a car. Why? I bet you he had a lot of friends. (laughs) (laughs) As a motorist, he witnessed a severe car accident at an intersection in the city. In response, he decided to expand on the current traffic light by adding a quote-unquote yield component, warning oncoming drivers of an impending stop. He took out the patent for the creation in 1923, and it was granted to him the following year. In other words, they used to just have a green light and red light. He invented the yellow light or amber light, the one that means accelerate quickly. That's right. So you can get through the intersection or so I can make my appointment or slow down. The red light's going to stop. And I think that was in the Terminator, wasn't it? Where he, where he's, <laughs> yeah. he was talking about the, the three different lights. It's like green light means go, red light means stop, yellow light means go faster. Green, green light means go. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> wow. Very interesting. And that was just not his only invention. Yeah, he was, he was really, I mean, the sewing machine, improving the sewing machine, improving the gas mask, and then again, improving the stoplight. Right. So because of, he was responding to that accident that severe car accident and that's how things happen what is it necessity is the mother of invention that's right yeah and we'll we'll probably close this one out before our half hour and then we'll pick up on the other half hour but i think we all appreciate the fact that we can get if you eat frozen pizza or frozen vegetables or frozen whatever or even in a cooler kind of thing where some milk needs to be stored in a cooler as it's going from its manufacturing plant to the local grocery store If your refrigerator has any produce from your local grocery store, then you can credit African-American inventor Frederick McKinley Jones. Jones took out more than 60 patents throughout his life, including a patent for the roof-mounted cooling system that's used to refrigerate goods on trucks during extended transportation in the mid-1930s. He received a patent for his invention in 1940, and I didn't know this. This is a killer and co-founded the U.S. Thermal Control Company, later known as Thermo King. Wow. Thermo King is huge. It's huge. They are unbelievable. I hope the Jones family and, and the Brown family are out there partying together. They're, they're, they're partying in their own bay with the cooler. That's right. The company was critical during World War II, helping to preserve blood, food, and supplies during the war. See, I didn't know that because I know Thermo King. You know, you see that all the time. All the time, exactly. And the thing is, again, because of the situation in the country at the time with segregation mm-hmm. and a lot of times just not giving any type of credit to people as they were people doing right. things that affected everyone, you know, not giving credit, again, slows us down in terms of our overall understanding of the black experience. Well, and I would add to that that when we fast forward to the mid-1950s in Brown versus Board of Education when we're talking about that these educations were not equal. They were separate. These particular people obviously had a very, very good education. Well, you do have to understand that because we were educated separately, our parents and our, and our teachers made extra efforts to, yes. to, to ensure, just like we had here, here in, at Douglas. in Douglas. Right. You know, our teachers were telling us, we're not preparing you to be as good as. We're preparing you to be better, better than. Right. Because they knew what was going to happen when you got out into the world, and now your your good as was certainly not going to cut it. Right. You had to be better than. Right. To so get any kind of recognition. That's exactly right. So education, no matter where you're at, you need to work at it. You need to work at it. And these, these individuals, Frederick McKinley Jones, Garrett Morgan, Mary Van Britten Brown, and Sarah Boone— utilize their education to the fullest. So we're going to come back. We're going to be talking about some other uh, interesting things that we use every single day 
I'm, I'm looking at this they're list They're going to blow here. your I, mind. I, my mind is so blown. That's why I don't remember things beyond yesterday. So we, we have an expanded, an expanded history helps here to uh, help us understand some things about our past and uh, where, yeah, there we go. History helps. History helps. And, you know, one of the things that you're going to talk about today, I just dealt with before I came here to the station. So it's going to be very interesting because I received it three times in a row. And I tell you, by the third time, I was screaming. Just a little hint, because we've all been there before, but it has to do with something that you have in your home. And it tends to ring early in the morning when you're still just getting yourself ready. And it's not one of your family or friends Mm. utilizing it. Oh, Okay. Well, during the break, I'm going to go get some coffee. I might do that, too. All right. All right. Coffee on, folks out there, because uh, we're going to talk about this thing that Ellie can't talk about. This is Arnold Stricker with Ellie Wharton of In Tune. You're listening to KWRHLP 92.9 FM, your community radio station in Webster Groves, Missouri. Welcome back to In Tune. This is Arnold Stricker with Ellie Wharton. Yeah, can- just got my Joe here. Just got Joe. Hey, you know, I forgot to mention this as uh, a day in history today. And the only reason I mention this is because this particular individual has been in the news recently. If it was less than 15 minutes ago. (laughs) (laughs) His his nickname's Shorty, and I didn't know that. Well, I knew Shorty. Not the shorty that's from here from Webster, right? No, no, no. Oh, no, 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 no. No, you you don't want to be the shorty from Webster and be affiliated with this guy. Oh, okay. El Chapo. Oh, El Chapo. Oh, we know who that guy is. Yeah. That is bad, bad pickings there. Yeah, and I'm trying to, uh, it's, it's Guzman, I think, is his yeah, last name. Yeah, and they say his sons are getting ready to be indicted. Man, talk about a family business. El Chapets. El <laughs> Chapets. <laughs> I can't believe you said that. <laughs> Chapo and the Chapets. I guess it doesn't fall far, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Well, no. Or from no. the chopper. Over the chopper. Yeah, because I understand he was responsible for a lot of murders. Yes. And he was hmm. captured um, on this day. Actually, I thought that Ted Ted Cruz's uh, suggestion of making him uh, build the wall, taking his money to build the wall. That's a great idea. I thought it was a great idea. Absolutely. You know? <laughs> you know? Absolutely. They, I know the government can freeze assets like that. Exactly. What are they going to do? They put that in the general pot or something? Well, or does Mexico get half the split, or what's the deal on that? Now you think Mexico's going to get any of that money? Well, the former president apparently did. <laughs> <laughs> Folks, you got to read and listen to what's going on in the world, you know, oh. to understand what I just said. <laughs> That's right. Well, tell us about that. I'm going to tell you about thing that I told that thing. About. How about uh, Shirley Ann Jackson, circa 1970? No one likes picking up a call from an unknown number, especially nowadays, because of all the telemarketers. Particularly if you've already on the phone with someone else. Well, if you're on the phone with someone else, that issue was solved by black inventor and physicist Shirley Ann Jackson. She was the first black woman to ever earn a doctorate from MIT, the Massachusetts Institute of Technology. She led research to develop caller ID and call waiting functions while working at AT AT&T Bell Lab in the 1970s. And I tell you, that right there... Call waiting, call forwarding, great stuff. Great stuff, but then I feel still feel like the do not call list, to me, is like the biggest thing that have they've ever come up with that is so totally ignored by these companies. Well, it's uh, something that, you know, if you put a wall up, it's, okay, how can I get over it, under it, around it, or through it? 
That's what these, you know, if, if people who want to rip off people with their money and would, would use that intelligence and energy in a positive direction towards improving society, we may not be half bad off. Exactly. So maybe you, um, in everyday life, you get on one of these. The use of elevators in everyday life keeps people from committing to long and grueling climbs up several flights of stairs. However, before the creation of elevator doors that closed automatically, riding a, I love this because this is what it's called in England, riding a lift. Of course, the lift. Was complicated and risky. And even now, like if you go into an older building, a warehouse, this is how it is. Yeah, yeah. Before automatic doors, people had to manually shut both the shaft door and the elevator door before riding. Forgetting to do so led to multiple accidents as people fell down the elevator shafts. So when the daughter of African-American inventor Alexander Miles almost fatally fell down the shaft, he took it upon himself to develop a solution in 1887. 1887. He took out a patent for a mechanism that automatically opens and closes elevator shaft doors, and his designs are largely reflected in elevators used today. I We used to have that right downtown at the old famous bar. People that have been around a long time yep. know the old famous bar. Remember, we had elevator operators. Yes. And they just sat there, and yes. all their job was was to open and close the door. Right. And really, I went out to the original Macy's in Manhattan, and they were still using that type of an elevator. Oh, wow. Yeah, in the, um, in the employee section. <laughs> and, and let me tell you, and those, that's cool. it was very cool. But the thing is, is that if you've ever been at the back end of Macy's in New York City, it is not glamorous. And people are trying to get to work, you know, eight o'clock in the morning, there might be 50 people packed into that elevator. So you really do need someone, you know, to be able to open and close the door. But I thought that was still cool that they were still using that kind of mechanism. Yeah, I remember that as a kid seeing that and they'd go, what floor? And then, I know. and they'd say what was on that floor when you got to the floor. I know. Wasn't that wonderful? I love that about the the famous bar downtown. Yeah, that was cool. That in the windows. That in the windows at Christmas time. Yeah, they did a great job. So in 1964, even for those who aren't quick to pick up the microphone during karaoke, microphones are used every day to communicate over distances far and wide, including right now. And very far and wide. Very far and wide. And more than 90% of the microphones used today, including the microphones used in phones and cameras, used a microphone co-invented by a black man in 1964, Dr. James E. West. He was tasked with creating a more sensitive and compact microphone while working at Bell Labs. Along with his German colleague, Gerhard Sessler, West invented the foil electric microphone, which was considerably less expensive to produce than the typically used condenser microphones. And condenser mics are still used today. That's right. Two years after it was invented, the final model of the microphone was developed, and in 1964, they patented the landmark invention. Only four years later, the new microphone was in wide production, was used in, turn it up now, hearing aids, tape recorders, most telephones, and baby monitors. How cool is that? That is like super cool. And the fact that he was working with a German colleague during the 60s is a very important thing as well. Yep, yep. Very important to see. You know, these are the kinds of things that we do need to talk about because it makes you more aware and appreciative of the people that were involved. And we take these things for granted. We just pick up a cell phone and we dial and we just think, waha. You know, it was like when, when my husband, when I first met him and he told me that he had worked on um, the, not 9-11, he worked on... <laughs> what happened yesterday? <laughs> <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> 
the thing that happened when we turned over from 1999 to oh, 2000. Oh, yeah, Y2K. Y2K. And, oh, I made so much fun about that. It was like, oh, you know, how could you have done that? You, he goes, you know why it didn't happen? He said, because we worked for five years round the clock, day and night. Oh, wow. To make sure that it didn't happen. I was like, oh. <laughs> so, so that's why it didn't that's happen. That's why it didn't happen. Okay. The light bulb itself was invented by Thomas Edison. Mm-hmm. But the innovation used to create longer-lasting light bulbs was a, with a carbon filament came from African-American inventor Louis Latimer. Latimer, the son of a runaway slave, began work, son of a slaves, began work in a patent law firm after serving in the military for the Union during the Civil War. He was recognized for his talent drafting patents and was promoted to head draftsman, where he co-invented an improved bathroom for railroad trains. His successes would garner him further attention from the U.S. Electric Lighting Company, putting him at a company in direct competition with Edison in 1880. While there, Latimer patented a new filament for the light bulb using carbon instead of more incendiary materials like bamboo that were commonly used for filaments. The addition of the carbon filament increased the lifespan and practicality of light bulbs, which had previously died after just a few days. In 1884, he went on to work with Edison at the Edison Electric Light Company. And it's important, too, because this is another era that we can discuss on a, on a future show, is the Reconstruction era. Oh, when yeah. you think about this era, this is a big Jim Crow era. Yes. You know, this was right after the Civil War, right after the slaves were freed. And you talk about terrorism. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Terrorism was at its height against black people at that time. So when we realize that there are these number of inventors, such as Alexander Miles, 1887, um, Louis Latimer, 1881, these these people were working at tremendous odds because of the fact that, you know, the country was really being, I mean, Jim Crow was huge. And the Reconstruction era is a very important era in our history. You know, that's, that is an excellent point, because in spite of the persecution that was going on, they persevered. That's right. Exactly. And in many cases, if you really go into and start to dig into these patents, you'll find that a lot of black people had these patents stolen from them because of the era, because they didn't have legal um, representation. A lot of black people lost these patents. Or I'll pay you. Here's here's the money that it's going to be worth. It's only going to be worth this much money. And somebody goes on to make millions. Millions. Exactly. So our last one is something that I think everybody has used, or the kind of evolution of it. But before flat screens and high-def LCD monitors were the norm, PC displays were limited to screens with no color that were tethered to computers with limited processing power. That all changed thanks to black inventor and engineer Mark Dean. Dean began working for IBM as a chief engineer in the early 1980s, making up a team of 12 people who would develop the first IBM PC. In addition to helping create IBM's original machine in his early years with the company, he also worked to develop the color monitor and led the team that developed the first gigahertz processor. The massive chip built in 1999 would allow for higher processing rates at faster speeds within PCs. Wow, and this is, when you talk talk about 1999, I mean, this is just like yesterday. (laughs) (laughs) Shazam. Shazam. I mean, you know, and we take these things for granted. We do. We just figured that they've always been. And just remember that the next time you use your ironing board, you go and activate your home security system. You get on an elevator that has a close, the door that closes on you. You use an electronic microphone or you turn on a light bulb. Or you uh, actually stop when the light starts to turn amber and slow down. <laughs> That's right. That you can credit all of that to an African-American inventor. 
That's fabulous. It is fabulous. Hey, folks, don't forget when the Martians invade, there's only one race, the human race, and every one of us have different characteristics and is uniquely valuable. This is KWRHLP, 92.9 FM for Intune, studio manager Christopher Dacey, co-host Sally Wharton, I'm Arnold Stricker. Thank you for joining us today. Until next time, walk worthy and let your light shine.